0: So I wonder how many of you walking around campus over the last 10 days or so walked by that prayer tent and thought, oh, I should go into the prayer tent. I really, I really should go, but I can Or you walk by the prayer tent and you're like, I would never go in the prayer tent. I don't know what happens in the prayer tent. There could be people, like, praying and stuff in there. <laughs> and, and to sign up for an hour? An hour, like, 24-7, we're like, sign up for a whole hour to pray? Like, whew, in my best time, I hit, like, 6.30, like, 6 minutes, 30 seconds, and I was thrilled with that. Like, an hour? How can people do that? And what about that whole thing that Jesus says that when you pray and you're supposed to go and be quiet. Isn't it kind of public to walk into a tent even though the tent is completely enclosed? <laughs> I don't know. Look at those people who can do that. I, I've never been able to do that. I've never had a prayer life like that. I've, I don't know. I was talking with someone this week and she said she's working with a Muslim coworker, and she says, five times a day, the clock hits, and he goes and he prays, and I watch him and I think, I am really awful. (laughs) Do you think, I'm not as devoted as he is? Some of you have come from cultures or families where you know of Hindus or Buddhists who are able to just say the same word over and over again in a meditative state, and they're just able to do this for long stretches of time, and you think, I'm not, I'm not that devoted. We can get this weird, guilty, shamy thing going on around prayer. This isn't new. Jesus was talking to people who had some guilty, shamey stuff going on around prayer. You see, the, the rabbis had this law that you couldn't pray loudly. You couldn't pray loud to draw attention to yourself. Baruch Couldn't do that. So instead, they said, you can pray out loud, but just, you know, not loudly. And So you'd be walking, let's say you're getting your kids off to school, and you're like managing the kids, and you get them to school, and you get to like right before, you know, it's a busy, busy area of town, and you want to be sure that they're not going to get hit by an ox cart or something, and you're standing there, (laughs) and next to you is this guy with a big beard, and he's going, and you're going, oh man. Look, we were excited to get Psalm 23 read this morning, okay? Like, come on. And, and you get the kids off to school. Or, you know, you're trying to deliver some fish to somebody, and you go past somebody, and you're like, oh! They, there were 18 benedictions that they were supposed to pray, and it took a lot of time. And so you'd go past people who were doing this all the time, and it just made you feel like, oh, man, there are so many things I could be doing to be a better Jew. And then there were these pagans around, and the pagans believed that to pray, you had to like go to the temple and you had to spend a lot of time there because the gods were really busy. And if you stayed a long time and you prayed with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of energy, the gods just might listen to you. It's as if the gods are up there going, how long have that dude's been down there? 15 minutes? Pshh. Call me when he's hit three hours. And so there was this culture that Jesus was speaking into in which they could look at other Jews and think, oh, they're doing a lot better. And they could look at the pagans and think, oh, even the pagans are doing better. Jesus says, hey, 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 bring it in, bring it in. He's like, listen. When it's time for you to pray, don't don't worry about showing it off to other people. That's really not important. He says, when it's time for you to pray, go into your closet, into your supply room, is actually what scholars think he's referring to here. There was usually one room in the house that could be locked, and it was the room where you kept your supplies, your seed for the next sowing season, the few tools you had as a family, your, mil- like your millstone, these things were all kept in that room that you could lock. So he says, when you pray, go into the supply closet, Step over a few things, lock the door, and pray there. Pray there. One of the beautiful things about having a tent on a lawn is that you get to like, walk into the space. But the other thing is there were six other groups that were doing this with us. People who had never been to Calvin College, who didn't know anybody, and this was incredibly safe space for them. Because they could just walk into the tent, they're like, I don't know any of y'all. This isn't showy-offy for me. Just safe space. Jesus says go find safe space. So if you're thinking, those of you who live in the dorms, of a room that's in every hall, on every floor, you can go in, all by yourself, lock the door, what's the room? Yes, the common John, yes, yes. That's the idea that Jesus is getting at here. He's not saying, you need to come into the sanctuary. You need to light candles. There must be incense. No, he's like, go to the CJ and lock the door. (laughs) May need, no, no comment. (laughs) Go in, lock the door, and you pray there. And he says this, and when you pray, Pray this way. And then he lists off, if you want to turn to the gospel of Matthew 6, may be helpful to you as we walk through this together. Paul, could you hand me a Bible? Thank you. So Matthew 6, page 787 in the Bibles that you have accessible to you. Matthew 6, verse 9. He says, pray then in this way. And you can see he gives us an address. He says, our Father in heaven. Then he gives six petitions. The first six petitions are directed toward him and who he is and what he's about in the world, the first three. And the second three petitions are about us and our lives and what's happening in our world. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray then in this way, and the first thing he says is, our Father in heaven. Now, it's hard for us to imagine what a gift this is, because we've been praying, most of us, this way for a long, long time. But for those people in that time and space, to think of being able to call God our Father was pretty revolutionary. And we now who know who Christ is and was and how he served out his life, we can look at this and say, the only reason we can call God our Father is because Jesus has enabled us to do so. Jesus says, He's our Father. Yours and mine, He's our Father. One scholar wrote, When we pray our Father, we need to realize that we are right where we belong and we are home. Our Father in heaven. So that's how he begins. He says, everything that flows after in this prayer comes out of the relationship of a loving father with his sons and daughters. Our Father in heaven, the next line, hallowed be your name. Make holy your name. And did you notice that it's not like we say, God, I want you to make your name holy. All these verbs are passive, they're invitational. You make your name holy, make your name great. Some of you know that in the stories of the Old Testament, sometimes people would do something and they would say, I'm doing this that the world may know that Yahweh is God. I'm doing this to make the name of the Lord great. Not my name, God's name. That's what he's talking about here. So any time we want to make God's name great, this is our petition. And if you have people in your life who have yet to know Jesus, who have yet to come to Christ in faith, this is your petition for them. Make your name great. This is your petition for the world. Make your name great. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. You may be aware that we're in the middle of a presidential election here in the United States. I don't know if that's kind of gone by you, but it's happening. And you hear a lot of people say things like, well, if you vote for this guy, oh my goodness. Like bad things are coming our way. We are gonna reap the whirlwind if you vote for this guy. And then it's like, take out name, do find and replace, insert other name. We are going to reap the whirlwind <laughs> if you vote for this guy. Like, you've got to be kidding me. And there's this, this amping up. Like, this is the most important election in your lifetimes. This is the most important election in the history of the world. <sighs> for Pete's sake. No, it's not. <laughs> America, we're not that important. All right? Not that important. God's got a lot of other good things going on. He's got this. So when we play, your kingdom come, we're praying, our election, doesn't really matter, it's all you. Your government come, and not here in the United States. Your kingdom come in the world. Your rule come, and we're praying that God then displaces every other ruler, including the one who tries to gain access to your heart. When we pray, your kingdom come, we are saying, displace the enemy in all the little thrones that he tries to set up in my life. When he tries to set me up on my reputation or my status or my GPA or my talents, Lord, your kingdom come, displace the work of the enemy. When other people in our society, in our campus, in our city, when they try to set up other things as being the most important thing, we say your kingdom come, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now that's a petition of surrender, isn't it? Some of you know that when Jesus was in the garden the night before he died, This was his prayer. He asked if God would take the cup from him. He asked if this could be removed from him. And then he said, but not my will, but yours be done. So for all of us who are anxious, all of us who are wondering about what God is doing in our lives. All of us who are saying to God, could you please take this from me? This is our petition. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's also a petition for hope. It's a petition that says, Lord, we long for the day when your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. We long for the day when our collective wills are naturally, easily inclined with the will of God. We long for the day when we don't have to fight to do the right thing as a nation, as a world, as a human being. We long for the day when your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we see in these petitions that Jesus is covering the big things and in them all the little things too. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he turns it toward us and how we live. And because Jesus was incarnate, because he had flesh, he got hungry, and so it is not incidental, it's not a throwaway line that the next thing is, give us this day our daily bread. Some of you know, some of you this very day know what it's like to sit in church and be hungry, and you know that when you are hungry, the preacher can be saying many brilliant things And you don't get it in, because all you can think about is there are cookies after this. There are cookies (laughs) coming after this. Maybe someone in this congregation will invite me home for lunch. Maybe no commons food today. (laughs) Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is talking about our bodies. And there are people who like to make this metaphorical, and that's true. Enough for the day, whatever you need. Yes, yes, yes. But these were really poor people who actually wanted food. Give us this day, our daily bread isn't a throwaway line that we can quickly like, make it all spiritually. It's about food. And for those of you who for the first time are out living on your own and trying to make your own food and you're buying the cases of the ramen noodles, can I get a witness? <laughs> right? Right? This is not an incidental prayer. Jesus is saying, your body matters to me. I know what it's like to be hungry. I know the gift that it is when a care package comes and there are home-baked cookies in it. I know how beautiful it is when your body is getting what it needs. Give us this day our daily bread. It's about our bodies. Yesterday I was walking to, into the hospital to visit someone and I was thinking about this prayer because that's what happens when you're preaching a text, it just kind of sticks with you. And I thought, well, well, which line is the prayer for people who are in the hospital? Like, give us a day for your will be And I thought, I think it's this one. Because when Jesus is talking about give us this day our daily bread, he's talking about giving us what we need to live and move and have our being in the kingdom of God. And for some of us, our daily bread is our antidepressant medication. For some of us, our daily bread is that migraine pill that we know we have and we can take it and it's gonna make us functional. It allows our bodies to do what our bodies were designed to do. Give us this day our daily bread is a request that Jesus says, Everything that your body needs, bring it to the Lord. Give us this day our daily bread. And then now that we've been satisfied, we can move on to spiritual things. So he does the first thing, first let's have a snack. Now we're gonna talk about forgiveness, right? Jesus, by the way, God does this throughout scripture. Food, very important in scripture, very important. (laughs) Elijah, like he's all upset, gives him a little snack, has him take a little nap, all right? And then he talks with them about spiritual things. So Jesus is like, all right, give us this day our daily bread now. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The rabbis in that day used that same word debt, debtors, because they kind of set up this system and they said you're in debt toward God with whatever sins you make. And every sin you accumulate makes the distance, the debt bigger, and the distance from you to God gets bigger and bigger with every sin. But you can shrink it by acts of righteousness. So the more righteous you are, the closer you get to God. So keep working on those acts of righteousness because it will help, it will get you there. And so in this culture where everyone's like working on the acts of righteousness and feeling guilty because the goo in the street corner is praying and they're not praying. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Just ask for it. That's it. Just ask for it. The distance between you and God is great and you say, forgive us. because there's nothing you could do to make it. So he says, stop trying and just ask. Forgive me, forgive us. And then there's that little extra phrase. Forgive us as we have forgiven our debtors. And scholars throughout the year have gone back and forth on this. Is he saying that grace is conditional? Is he saying this? this is works righteousness? No, he's not saying that. The Greek says, forgive us because we already have forgiven. Forgive us because forgiveness is a part of who we are. Forgive us, Jesus, because we were already listening to the earlier part where you talked about the importance of when you're coming into worship and you realize that somebody has something against you, you go and you make it right with the person, and then you come into worship. We had that last week. We listened. And so... Forgiving others is simply a part of how we are now living out the Sermon on the Mount. It's part of how we're living. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, this is how you live. And then this is the one that gets the little addendum at the end of the prayer. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Chrysostom, who's an early church father, he put it like this He said, To receive forgiveness from God is a great benefit. To deny it to another is to mock God. To receive forgiveness from God is a great benefit. To deny it to another is to mock God. And for a lot of us, we have received forgiveness from other people. We've extended forgiveness to other people. And for a lot of us, we've been deeply wounded around some things, and we're on a journey toward forgiveness. Don't rush it, but don't avoid it. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you want to hold hands and sing songs with the person who hurt you. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness means that you've gotten to the point where you can wish that person well. You've gotten to the point where you can pray over them the Lord's Prayer, that God will make his name great in them, that God's will will be done in them, that God's kingdom will come in them, that they will have their daily bread, that they will forgive and be forgiven. When you get to that point, you are free. (coughs) That's what Jesus is talking about with forgiveness when you can get to the point where you can wish another person well and you can pray over them. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And then Jesus says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. One of the most recurring conversations that I have with members of our community, and it's not just students, it's also with faculty and staff, is this, what does God want me to do with my life? I'm trying to decide on a major, I don't really know. Should it be this, should it be this? I'm good at both, but I don't know. I'm trying to decide on an internship, I don't really know trying to decide if I should date this person. I don't really know. I'm trying to decide. I'm trying to decide. I'm trying to decide. And we're constantly praying for guidance. Lord, show us your will. Show us what you want us to do. Be clear with us. If anybody in the room has ever prayed for guidance, this is your petition. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us. But lead us not into being tempted to do something just because it's easy. Lead us not into the temptation of doing something because it's comfortable and safe. And on the flip side, lead us not to do something just because we think it's hard, and we think if it's hard, it must be from God. (laughs) And we'll be more pious. Lead us not into that temptation, because that's just full of holes. Lead us not into the temptation that our lives are all about us. Lead us not into the temptation that we alone can change the world. Lead us not into any temptation that would undo what we have prayed earlier about your kingdom being in our hearts and in our minds. Lead us not into any temptation that would wanna push you off the throne. Lead us not into temptation. And then Jesus says, but deliver us from evil. And the verb he uses is very strong. The verb is snatch. Snatch us from the evil one. Snatch us away so that the fingers of the evil one can't even get us and God's got us back. That's the idea. Lead us not into temptation, but snatch us away from the evil one. That's the power of Jesus' prayer. And now when it began to be used liturgically, they added on, for that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Because it kind of brings it full circle and it's really nice. Kind of finishes it off. But Jesus ends with, snatch us away from the evil one. Pretty important Prayer. And so these people are longing to pray and Jesus gives them these petitions and he says, you wanna pray? Do it this way. Go in a quiet room and this is what you say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And if you want, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And that's it. That's it. Jesus does not say, now for, for this to be effective, you have to do it five times a day at the following times. If you miss a time, not effective, whole day wiped out. <laughs> In order for this to be effective, you gotta pray it over and 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 over again. That's the only way it works. In order for this to be effective, Uh, You've got to do it all the time, every day, without stopping. In order for this to be effective, no. In a culture where people were parading around their prayers, in a culture where people felt guilty and shamed that they weren't praying enough, that they weren't praying in the right way, that they needed some help with this, Jesus says, look, here, here, guys, listen. This is all you have to do. Really. So if you made the commitment and said, once a day, I'm going into the CJ. I'm going into the prayer room in the basement of the chapel. We have two of them down there. I'm going to the the sanctuary of the chapel. It's open for prayer most mornings from 6 to 8. Monday, Wednesday, Thursday mornings. Just go, and if you just go in there and you pray the Lord's Prayer once, out loud, you're good. You're good. Now I know that some of you right now are sitting there thinking, well, that can't be right. That can't be right at all. What are all these books about prayer that like, you know, have to sit and be quiet and listen and journal and listen to music? Sure, all great, fine, great, go for it, have fun. Beautiful, important times. But Jesus says, if you want to pray, here's how you do it. In a culture that says you got to do more and you got to be better, and you're not a good enough Christian until you're in the prayer tent 24 7, until you got a little prayer appointment and prayer journal, and you're talking about your prayer life to everybody, Jesus is like, nope, nope, nope. This is it. because prayer is about reminding us of who we are and whose we are. And did you notice that this prayer does not use the word mine, me, I, myself, our Father. Jesus' prayer is an invitation to remember who you are as part of the body of Christ, It's an invitation to remember with each petition as you go through that Jesus has it covered. That when you say, your will be done, your kingdom come, give us this day, it's covered. Every need you would ever have covered by this prayer. Everyone. You can add to it, you can be more specific, you can give God the details, but you know what he says at the beginning? Your heavenly father knows what you need. Your heavenly father knows what you need. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. And so when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it is enough. It is enough. It is more than enough because of what Jesus has done for us. We are free from performing. We are free from trying harder. We are free to love and be loved because it is enough. Will you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.